BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks, before you tap into this latest Lakers Legacy podcast episode, we would please like to ask for your guys' support. All you have to do is subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app and leave a five-star rating and review. That goes a long way in maintaining the consistency and quality of this podcast moving forward. And also, it just lets us know that you're listening, and we love to know that you're listening. So, thanks for your support, and yeah, go hit that five-star rating and review button. And now, on with the showtime. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where I'm an MLE in the air. I'm a young money millionaire, tougher than... All right, I'm going to stop my little waning right there and just let you know that today we are diving into our early NBA slash Lakers free agency preview and talking specifically about MLE in the air years. MLE in the years. I didn't... (laughs) I didn't do this. I didn't prep this correctly. I thought it fit a little bit better than I'm actually reading it out right now. Anyways, yeah, we're going to start talking about actual free agents on the free agent market. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Welcome to our very early Lakers free agency preview, where we will go through some of our top free agency candidates that we like for the mini MLE slash full MLE slash BAE For the purposes of this episode, we're going to lump all of them together since they're close enough in value that I think they can swing either way and we can caveat certain players at particular price points and such. Uh, Before we get to that, though, Tommy, quick icebreaker question. Since the... Oh, by the way, hello. Oh, hi. (laughs) Um, uh, Since the Kobe and Shaq era, who would you say has been the Lakers' best MLE slash mini MLE signing in your recollection as a fan? 
Kendrick Nunn was our signing last year, Montrez Harrell the year before that. Uh, but if you can remember, I have a full list here so I can kind of help you out once you give your answer. But based off of what you know consciously right now, who would you say would be our best MLE signing ever since like 2000? Since 2000. Hmm. I guess I have to go with, and I don't know, I'm sure you're going to list some names that are better than this guy, but I think I would have to go with uh, Ron Artest. Yes. Yeah. Just because that actually did lead to him playing a big role in our championship run that season. And it was a nice like way for us to pivot, you know, away from the Ariza situation because Ariza ended up ended up getting paid by Houston that year. And he was obviously a huge part of our first championship, um, you know, in the late 2000s. So I, I think run our test. Yeah, that is the correct answer. But I'll give you a couple more because I actually did the research on this based off of did we use the MLE, the mini MLE part of the MLE? Because, you know, we've been in contention a long time, including the Kobe and Shaq era. So I was wondering, who did we use that on? Because back then, we had no idea about cap stuff. So um, I have Ron Artest first. Uh, 2009, 33 million over five years. We used the full MLE on him. Uh, in 2010, we used it on Steve Blake, or a portion of it, on Steve Blake, $16 million over uh, four years, I believe. Third, Vladimir Edmonovich in 2006. We used the full MLE on him at the time, $31 million over five years. In 2011, we used it on Josh McRoberts. Do you remember that? Uh, $6 million over two oh years. We used the mini MLE on him. In 2013, we used the entire mini MLE of about $3 million on Chris Kamen. Wow. Um, in 2004, we used it on Vladi Divac, the full $4.9 million over two years. In 2003, who do you think we used the full $4.9 million MLE on? In 2003? Mm-hmm. Um, was that uh, Gary Payton? Yes, good job. <laughs> yes, so Gary Payton signed for the full Emily, and then Carmelo Malone signed for the vet minimum. I think most people remember it as both of them just signed for the vet min, but it was actually Gary Payton for the full Emily. Do you know what I was doing that at that time? What? I was in the computer lab at Arcadia High School <laughs> taking a summer computer class um, and we were supposed to be like making a website or something and I had like this was obviously well pre-Twitter um, it was the summer between freshman and sophomore year and I just had like a Laker ground tab open and I started <laughs> seeing all this buzz about Gary Payton and Carl Malone back in the day and I was like what? Nice that is a great throwback memory and yeah we used the full MLE on him uh, so it was worth it to not do your work in a computer lab. Um, <laughs> in 2001, we used the full MLE, $21 million over four years on Devin George. And then oh, lastly, yeah. in 2000, we used it on Isaiah Ryder, who didn't end up panning out. So that's kind of like your, I don't know if this is an extensive, comprehensive list, but that's a lot of who we used our MLE on over the last, you know, decade plus or so. So with that said, let's look at our MLE slash BAE candidates. Uh, Tommy, we'll go position by position first. We'll throw out each of our top three candidates per position if we have a top three. And then at the end, we'll give our overall top three rankings. So, and this will be guys who I feel like, obviously I'm not a capologist or whatever. I don't know the value of these guys or what their market is, but these are guys that I picked out who I think in each position will probably command the mini MLE slash MLE slash BAE. I'm lumping them all together because I think 
sadly, this market is very bad, so they could go one way or another. Also, quick caveat for the purposes of this episode, we're going to act like Malik Monk has left us for greener pastures. Obviously, if Malik Monk was available, he'd be one of our top candidates out of any position to get the mini Emily or even maybe the full Emily or part of the full Emily. So yeah, just keep that in mind. We're not going to have Malik Monk as part of this discussion. Otherwise, he'd be top of mind in most situations. So in the point guard position, and I'm labeling point guards as guards 5'11 to 6'4. Some of these may be actual, some of these guys may actually be primary initiators or some of them may be defensive guards. But to highlight the unrestricted free agents in this class, there's DeLon Wright, 30 years old, former Laker Dennis Schroeder, 29 years old, Gary Payton II, 29 years old, Tyus Jones, 26, Javon Carter, 26. Colin Sexton is a restricted free agent if the Cavs give him his qualifying offer, but if they rescind that, he could be an unrestricted free agent. So those are the top candidates from the point guard position. Tommy, who are your top three if you have a top three in this category? I don't think I have a top three because it's like such a thin um, list here. So I'm just going to do two. I I like Tyus Jones. Again, I'm... I haven't watched him super closely, so I don't know how good he is defensively, which is obviously going to be a factor in my decision-making if, if I'm thinking about this from the team's perspective. But, like, I know Tyus Jones, you know, has developed very very well over, you know, his first six years or so in the league, five years. Um, and he can hit a three. He's a good, I, I think, surprisingly good playmaker, right? I feel like his assist-to-turnover ratio is pretty good, if, if I recall correctly. Um, so I've always kind of been a fan of his. He's like a little small, I believe. Um, so that's like the one knock against him. And then I'm only going to give a second one. Um, I'm not like a Dennis Schroeder guy. I'm not like a huge <laughs> GP2 guy. Yeah. You know, GP2 guy, although I, I feel like he's had a lot of success, but I don't know. He's had a lot of success this year with the Warriors, but you could put a lot of guys in that role on the Warriors. And I mean, Alex Caruso would look like an all, you know, just as good on that team um, in, in those same types of roles and probably even better. Um, so I, I think he's a little bit overrated, although he's, he's very good. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he rises above the minimum for me. Um, so my second guy would probably be Delon Wright, who I've just been a fan of for a while. Um, I, I can't remember exactly how tall he is. Do you recall? He's like 6'3 or something. I think he's like 6'4 no, six, six, or something, yeah. 6'4, six, 6'5, six, yeah. So he's got good size, um, you know, can shoot the ball. Uh, and I've, you know, he's been in the league for a while. And he's played on some good teams. Um, you know, he was on the Raptors for a while and, and has bounced around. Uh, hit Can hit a three, like I mentioned. Can hit free throws. Um, not as much as a playmaker, I think, as Tyus, but... Um, but I like DeLon Wright as well. Yeah, I think DeLon Wright is the slightly taller, lesser athletic, but better shooting version of Gary Payton the second. And he's, oh, he's going to be a year older than him, but not that much of a difference. So my initial list was Tyus Jones, number one, Gary Payton the second, number two, and DeLon Wright, three. But I think you've convinced me to put DeLon Wright ahead of GP2. And I know GP2 is the hotter name right now. He unfortunately broke his elbow in the playoffs. But before that, he was actually contributing to high-level playoff basketball for the Warriors, even closing some games for them. 
He even had two games where he knocked down three threes in both of those games, his only two games out of the seven playoff games he played in which he hit threes. He's obviously a transition speed demon and an athletic freak. His steal rate over the last few years has been insane. He averaged 2.8 steals per 36 wise this past season. So I don't think you and I are discounting any of that from GP2, but at the end of the day, he is 6'3", he's already 29, and given what we know about the templates of each player, I think DeLon Wright would pose less problems for us. I think, like you mentioned, he works on a great team like Golden State, right, with shooting all around. But I think on our team, you'd at least want a guy who'd be a threat to space the floor, and that's DeLon Wright. He shot 39% from three with Sacramento last year, hitting 1.3 a game, and then 38% from three, hitting 0.6 a game with Atlanta this past year in just 18 minutes. So DeLon Wright has never been a prolific three-point shooter, but he's definitely a better all-around shooter than Gary Payton II. Yeah, exactly. And then I just like Tyus Jones as the best, most well-rounded all-around point guard out of this crop. He pretty much carried the Memphis Grizzlies when John Morant was out in the playoffs. He had a 24-point game, 25-point game where he hit four threes, five threes. He is third world countryman's Damian Lillard. He really knows how to run the show. Really good playmaker. Very smooth floater game. His offensive game all around as a primary initiator and a primary playmaker is very fluid, is how I describe his game. And then honestly, if Westbrook and Nunn are both shipped out and we actually have a point guard need, I think Tyus Jones could actually start in a pinch for us. But obviously he's better suited as a six man, but we may actually need Tyus Jones in that event. All right, moving on to the shooting guards slash smaller scoring guards. These are guys I consider, you know, 6'5 or under, but they're more scoring, shooting oriented. Uh, The guys that highlight this list are short. There's in unrestricted free agency, Gary Harris, 28 years old. Bruce Brown Jr., 26 years old. Patty Mills and Pat Connaughton could become unrestricted free agents, but they both have player options, so I add that caveat. And then two guys who have qualifying offers... Uh, that could have qualifying offers given to them to become restricted free agents are Dante DiVincenzo, 25 years old, and Lonnie Walker, 23 years old. But both could become unrestricted free agents if their teams rescind those qualifying offers. So out of this very small shooting guard crop, who tops your list? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think... I mean, I, I... I, Okay, this is like maybe unfair for this guy because I feel like... He's done nothing to deserve this, but I feel like Gary Harris has had like years and years and years of being overpaid and I just don't think he's very good. So (laughs) something about him just, I don't like. Um, So I I think I would steer clear of Gary Harris. I do like Patty Mills and I actually really like Pat Connaughton. I think Pat Connaughton is like pretty underrated and I feel like he's been underrated since he came into the league. Um, He's super athletic this dude he's like pretty small but he could like jump out of the gym and he could shoot threes he's played on you know championship level teams um has played in good moments or big moments Mm -hmm. and so those are the two guys i kind of like the best out of this not so great list um i don't think we i guess i'll caveat this by saying I don't really think we have a shot at getting Dante DiVincenzo. Um, He'd be great if we, <laughs> yeah, but you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he would probably be my number one if he was, if I viewed it as, like, realistic. Um, so I don't think that, but I don't think we have that shot, really. Sure. I think for me, I still, even though you hate Gary Harris, it seems like, I yeah. would still put Gary Harris number one. Bruce Brown Jr. number two. Although, now that I'm thinking about it and just the concerns with his shooting and whatnot... 
I feel like these guys, Bruce Brown Jr. and Gary Payton II, they, they seem to work on other teams with shooting, and then I remember that we're the Lakers and we're a special case. So maybe I don't want him at number two, but I do also have Patty Mills at number three if he forgoes his player option. And then I also asterisk the fact that I'm very intrigued by Dante DiVincenzo if Sacramento rescinds his qualifying offer, which I don't think they do. And even if they do, he'll probably get paid by another team. But now that you've brought up Pat Connaughton's name, uh, I think he could actually be a realistic option. He was making like $5.7 million last year, and he may opt out to get the $6 million MLE for a longer term deal with another team because he is going to be 30 years old. And I think he'd be a good Still, even though he's 30, be a good upside play, can kind of do everything, space the floor, is athletic, like you said, won't make mistakes, and just is a solid overall guard in the vein of Austin Reeves. I don't know why I'm referencing Austin Reeves in relation to a guy older than him. But yeah, uh, those are my three. I guess I'll go Gary Harris. You know what? I'll still put Bruce Brown Jr. in here because he's just done such a good job from the Nets. But yeah, Gary Harris, Bruce Brown Jr., Patty Mills, slash uh, Pat Connaughton. Um, let's move on to, actually, let's take it to break first. And when we return, we'll close this out with the wings, tweener bigs, power forwards, and the centers. So we will catch you guys after the turn. All right, so we're back. This is present Jonathan jumping into the past to add this addendum. We recorded this upcoming segment before the Clippers re-signed Robert Covington to a two-year, $24 million deal. So we have decided to keep our discussion on Robert Covington in this episode so that you can be sad at how much we actually wanted him. No, but yeah, we've decided to keep our discussion on Robert Covington in here so you can see where we ended up ranking him. But yeah, just keep that in mind as we move forward talking about this wing crop. We go through an extensive enough number of wings that it shouldn't matter too much that Robert Covington is missing from the top. But yeah, with that said, let's continue on. Uh, Moving on with our mini Emily slash Emily slash BAE Uh, free agency rankings, early rankings. Again, this will probably change as we dive into more of these prospects and we get nearer and nearer to June and free agency. But highlighting the wings, the 3 and D wing section, guys who are about 6'6 to 6'9, the main unrestricted free agents are Robert Covington, 31 years old, Otto Porter, 29, TJ Warren, 29, Kyle Anderson, 29, Torian Prince, 28, Derek Jones Jr., 25, There are also guys like Kelly Oubre and KCP who are partially guaranteed and could become unrestricted free agents if they're waived, but that doesn't seem likely. Some potential restricted free agents who could become unrestricted free agents if their teams rescind their qualifying offers from them would be Caleb Martin from the Miami Heat and Cody Martin from the Charlotte Hornets, the two twins who have very similar games to one another, two players who have really developed on both ends of the court this past season. Um... Guys with player options include P.J. Tucker, who's 37, Nick Batum, who's going to be 33. And yeah, those are, the, those are the main guys. We won't go into all the caveats. But out of that crop, the 3 and D wings crop, who are your top three? The 3 and D wings crop, my top three, okay, number one, I think probably Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. I think like Robert Covington, I, I've always felt has been slightly overpaid and slightly overrated. But if we can get him for like the MLE, I think that's actually a good value. Something about this guy, and I think maybe it was all those years playing, um, I mean, playing under Mike D'Antoni, playing, uh, playing even the last few years in Portland before he got traded to the Clippers. 
he seems like he should be a lot older than he is. He's only 31 years old. And I don't know if it's like the fact that playing with Mike D'Antoni, that guy tends to run guys into the ground. We've just seen so much of Covington, but he's not that Wait, When old. did he play for Mike D'Antoni? He played for him in Houston. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it, it seems like his body has taken a physical toll. And maybe he just that's just what he plays like, and he's always been like this, but... He doesn't jump off the page as, as as an athlete, but that said, he he can really really defend, and he is a streaky but good shooter. Um, he had that game for the Clippers late in the season where you know they were fighting for a seating, and he scored like forty five points or something, and he hit like, like forty three points and eleven threes. <laughs> exactly, it was nuts. So I think he's good. I would probably have him number one. Number two, I actually really like Derek Jones Jr. Still, I think. Yeah, he would give. I don't think he can shoot still, but he can defend and he can. You know, he's super, super athletic, and athletic wings are just like it's. It's like every team need. You know, it feels like every team has like three or four, except for us. Um, and and they are so important when it comes to the playoffs and figuring out how are you going to guard guys like Jason Tatum, how are you going to guard guys like Giannis, um, etc. And. Having a jump off the you know jump off the page athlete like Derek Jones Jr. I think could really ignite this roster, um, whatever it ends up looking like. And then number three, I actually really like. I've okay, I've personally really liked T.J. Warren. I don't think he. I don't know if three and D is the right way to describe him because I don't think he's necessarily like known for defense, but just that guy who can come off the bench on. You know, I view TJ as like a guy who can come off the bench on like a championship caliber team and you can run offense through him. He's super, super um, good as like an isolation player creating for himself. Um, so I like him as, as probably my third option, but I don't know how good he is defensively. So I put the other two guys ahead. So he improved defensively his last season with Indiana, but he did have stress fractures in his foot twice. And I don't know if I would it spend is a your only yeah, yeah. tool on an injury-prone player who hasn't played in a year and a half. I get the intrigue with the upside, but I'm a little surprised that you don't have Otto Porter Jr. in here, actually. But I'll let you explain why Otto's missing from your list in a second. But as for my top three, now that I know in hindsight that Robert Covington is off the board, I would now have Otto Porter Jr. squarely at number one. Even with his injury history and brittle body and the fact that he didn't even play in any back-to-back games for the Warriors during the regular season, he would still give the Lakers great size at six foot eight with a seven foot one wingspan. He shot 37% from three with the Warriors this past year, hitting 1.3 a game, 8.2 points, 5.7 rebounds, 1.1 steals in just limited minutes. He had a stretch versus Memphis in the playoffs where he hit seven of 11 from three in two games. And with the Lakers, he'd be playing a tertiary role on our team as well and would be a huge boon for us with his veteran presence. Although on our team, he'd probably he'd probably be the starting wing. So we'd have to find a way to mitigate his minutes. Yeah. But yeah, Otto Porter number one. And then number two, I'd have Derek Jones Jr. for all the reasons that you stated. His six foot six, seven foot one wingspan frame with his ridiculous 46 inch vertical is no joke. Yes. His potential to wreak havoc in the passing lanes and ignite transition play, running the floor, throwing down thunderous jams is too enticing, and he'll only be 25 years old next year. And then number three, I'd actually maybe put Torian Prince here, and I know he's a boring, plain white vanilla, meat and potatoes sort of name, but <laughs> he has just been perpetually solid throughout his career, and 
To me, he perfectly fits this sort of KCP Dorian Finney-Smith role for the Lakers. He's still only 28. He was a former number 12 lotto pick in 2016. He's a career 37% three-point shooter. He shot 37% with Minnesota this past year, hitting 1.2 a game in just 17 minutes, so that's good. And then his best years three-point shooting-wise came with Atlanta, came in Atlanta when he shot 38% and 39% from three, hitting two threes a game in his sophomore and junior season. So he can definitely shoot the three ball. He's also had some pretty big breakout games for the Wolves this past season, including back-to-back 23-point games where he hit 6 of 9 from 3 and then 5 of 6 from 3-point land, so he can clearly knock down that 3-point shot. And then overall, he's always been known as a solid, scrappy defender because of his 6-7-7-foot wingspan frame. So I'd put Torian Prince number 3. And I guess because Robert Covington is now fully out of the picture, this is where this spot is where I'd also start to consider TJ Warren and take that high upside gamble that he truly is healthy now and can regain even half of his bubble Jordan powers before he got injured almost two years ago. So uh, number one, Otto Porter Jr., number two, Derek Jones Jr., and then number three, Torian Prince slash TJ Warren. So those would be my top three-ish for the mini MLE or full MLE at the wing position because I think uh, a guy like TJ Warren and maybe even Otto Porter Jr. may command the full MLE. So the Lakers would have to open up some cap space to be able to avail of that non-taxpayer mid-level. But I do want to caveat things, my list, and say that I have some late high-risers that I'd also like to bookmark for this list. And I think it's going to surprise you a little bit, but... I'd actually add the Martin twins to this list. Caleb Martin from the Miami Heat and then Cody Martin from the Charlotte Hornets. I know you don't like the Martin twins, but I've actually dove into both of their tape and they are actually pretty well-sized and solid swingmen. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I did not expect them, either of them, to still be in the league at this point. So the (laughs) fact that they are must mean that they're doing something right. No, yeah, they are. Um, So both Caleb and Cody are 26 years old. They both have qualifying offers that their teams can give them that if they're withdrawn would make both of them unrestricted free agents. Now, maybe either of them could be had for the vet minimum, but I'm going to put them in this section anyways as well, because even if we had to pay up and use the mini MLE and reach a little bit for either of them, I may actually consider it for these two guys. And so if you watch their highlights, and this isn't just because they're twins, but both Caleb and Cody actually play very similarly. They're both around 6'6 with 6'10 wingspans. They're both very athletic and can put the ball on the floor a little. They can both play make a little. And they both really know how to attack closeouts with quick first steps using their athleticism. They're very deliberate about it. Both of them can sort of score at all three levels. But most importantly, in the last year, Both Caleb and Cody have really grown as very solid hold-your-ground defenders who can really hound primary ball handlers and move their feet on the perimeter adequately. So they're also not lightweight shooting guards slash wings either. They're both very sturdily built. They both really have strong cores and frames. They kind of remind me of prime Josh Richardson with a little bit of KCP mixed in there. Cody Martin of the Hornets shot 48% from the field, 38% from three this past year, hitting one three a game in 26 minutes. And then Caleb Martin shot 50% from the field and 48% from three, knocking down one three a game for the Heat this season in 22 minutes. And Caleb particularly has shown some very impressive stints in the playoffs for the Heat 
as a defender as well. So I really like both Cody and Caleb Martin. I'm honestly not sure who the better one is out of the two because (laughs) both of their progression as two-way players has come at the same time in this past year. But I would take a shot on either of them, whoever is let loose from their teams. I I think at this point, Cody Martin from the Hornets probably has a better chance of getting let loose because the Hornets have to make some big financial decisions when it comes to, you know, maxing out Miles Bridges. So keep an eye out on Caleb and Cody Martin. And, you know, maybe Cody and Caleb can actually go for the BAE. So if we're able to open up some cap space and have the non-taxpayer mid-level of $10 million and the BAE of $4 million to use, I would definitely give the BAE to one of Caleb or Cody okay. Martin. Okay. So that's my long-winded diatribe on the entire Wings market at the mini MLE slash full MLE spot. Um, but yeah, Tommy, let's turn it back to you because I want to get back to you and I want to know why Otto Porter Jr. is not part of your top three. I like Otto Porter, and he's had a really good season with the Warriors. But I am wary of this fact that, I mean, it it was the same thing when the Lakers were, you know, a dominant team that had a really well-run offensive system with the triangle, and you would see guys leave our system, go elsewhere. Devin George, one good example, you know, go elsewhere. Seem really, really effective as like, oh, he's like a long wing, and look at how he has all this championship experience, and look at how well he did in the playoff runs, and then they go somewhere else, and they're completely worthless players. Um, Otto Porter has some history before the Warriors, obviously. He's he's not, if anything, he used this past year with the Warriors to sort of revitalize his career. So I'm not trying to throw him under the bus at all. I still think he's a solid player. I just think that, I think that his impact has perhaps been overstated playing for a team as effective as the Warriors. Um, And so if you were giving me one shot to, you know, kind of swing for a home run, I probably would lean away from, from Otto. Okay. I I would argue that you should probably put Otto Porter number three over TJ Warren, but that's just me. Uh, That's your list. Um, But yeah, let's, let's move on to the power forward slash tweener bigs uh, position. These are guys like six, eight to six, 10 who could maybe space the floor. Um, Maybe not. Uh, guys who highlight the unrestricted free agent list are Chris Boucher, 29, Montrez Harrell, 28, Jalen Smith, 22, Thaddeus Young, 34. Maxi Kleber of the Dallas Mavericks is 31 years old. He has a $9 million non-guaranteed contract. If Dallas waives his non-guaranteed contract, he could become an unrestricted free agent. And they may be in a pinch if they try and re-sign Brunson to the crazy amount that he's looking for. So maybe they let Maxi Kleber go, but maybe... Right now, it's unrealistic. I'm just adding that caveat out there. Uh, tweener fours with player options are Jamichael Green, 32, Jeff Green, 36, Bobby Portis, 27, but that's unrealistic because he's likely opting out to just get a bigger raise from Milwaukee using bird rights. So out of this tweener big section, who are your top three or top guys? Out of this tweener big section, uh, I'd probably go with, so I don't, I'd probably stay away from Montrez for a couple of reasons. Yes. Obviously, yeah, we've experienced him before, number one. He is who he is. And I actually think Montrez is a perfectly fine uh, player, but he he's still at 28 years old after all these years has like just seemingly been unwilling to just accept what what teams view to be his role as a 20 to 25 minute a game if you need more offense player who can come off the bench and just get you buckets and get you rebounds 
totally adequate. He can even do some de- decent stuff defensively, but he's not going to ever have a bigger role than that. And he just needs to accept it. And I like, it's one thing to be pouting on a championship team. And like, you can kind of just look at it. as like, ah, oh, he's just, he's not used to it and blah, blah, blah. If you're getting benched by the Charlotte Hornets who are like struggling to make the playoffs and you know, you're still only getting, you're getting less minutes there than you've ever gotten your entire career. And you're still pouting about it. Like that, it just, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, yeah. I don't think we have a chance at Maxi, uh, even if they are re-signing, you know, I, you know, even if Dallas needs some space to re-sign Brunson, I think they'll figure it out. Otherwise, I don't think they're going to let Maxi go. He's been a big mm-hmm. part of what they do. I think for me, and also Bobby Portis, similar reasons, I think he's just too big of a part of what Milwaukee does. Given all of those caveats, I would probably go with Chris Boucher, number one, um, I like what he does athletically. Uh, he's a good shot blocker. I think that's like his numbers there have dipped a little bit. I don't know if that's due to roll or what, but there was a time where I think you maybe had described him as like a younger Serge Ibaka, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that young, actually, because <laughs> I think he got into the <laughs> league late. But, you know, he has some defensive upside and athleticism, which would be helpful. Um and then, you know, I guess with all the caveats, I've eliminated a lot of potential options in terms of what could what could be a, a tweener big. I, I like Jalen Smith as an upside pick. Um, he's young, and you wonder how much he could contribute. But I think if, like, anything – if we learned anything last season, it's that, like, you got LeBron, you got AD. Put guys around them who are hungry and can, yep. you know, use their innate talent and then you hope that the rest of it develops like you hope that the surgical aspects of people's games like start to develop over time but one thing that you can't um teach is athleticism um so i like jalen smith as like an athleticism upside play and then lower down on the list i would probably look at um somebody like uh, jamichael green who i think is like a solid player uh can hit a three doesn't really move the needle for you. So if you're thinking about like, you know, these, these types of players might be like the most, our biggest spend or among our biggest spends as uh, for free agents. I, he doesn't excite me that much, but I, I've always liked Jim Michael Green as a player as well. He's kind of like Markeith Morris ish could be that role yeah, on your yeah. team. Um, so I have it number one, Jalen Smith for all the reasons you stated. And because he's just younger, he was a former lotto pick by the Suns, number 10. There's a reason for that. He has a, bigger stouter frame than Chris Boucher if you've ever seen Chris Boucher he is very lanky um and I will say he's a younger Serge Ibaka mileage wise right because he hasn't played a lot in the league so he still has a lot of balance etc etc uh not a lot of wear and tear but yeah I have Jalen Smith number one just because I believe in his upside I've seen his tape uh his few stints with his few flashes that he showed with Indiana being able to space the floor shooting 37 percent from three with them and you know obviously limited sample size but he showed these capabilities to space the floor in college as well and he's just a mobile big I think he had a really good few games with uh the Phoenix Suns as well this past season when you know it was COVID bonanza during December January and he had to spot start Um, So I like his upside, especially around, like you mentioned, guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis who can elevate him. And it will be a nice time to sort of get in early on a former lotto pick who still has potential, just wasn't in the right spot to contribute with Phoenix. Although obviously there are questions as to why they just willy nilly let him go. But we've seen that time and again where teams will let pretty good prospects go and they flourish in another situation, i.e. guys from our own (laughs) squad like 
Thomas Bryan or if it's a right. Zubats or like Joe Harris, right? Um, so yeah, I put Jalen Smith number one, Chris Boucher number two for everything you stated. And then I'd actually put Thaddeus Young number three with a caveat that because he's 34 years old, maybe you can get him for the vet minimum. So maybe he's not necessarily needed up here. But if he does need to be paid the mini Emily, I am not too opposed to that. I'm obviously hoping he's a vet minimum guy so we can still get him. But if push comes to shove, I really like what Thaddeus Young can do. I've described him as like a lower end version of Draymond Green, but I think he can actually space the floor better. He shoots well from the corner threes, but he can pass. You, you, I mean, you saw what he did for the Raptors in the playoffs in this regular season. He's just a really good glue guy at the four slash small ball five that I think would provide a lot of versatility for the Lakers. And historically, he just has a really great steal rate. Um, so that's the tweener big section. To close us out, here's the centers, traditional bigs, guys who are 6'10 to 7'2". We don't have to spend too much time on this section for obvious reasons because I don't think the Lakers would spend their only tool on a center who Anthony Davis would likely just supplant. Um, but guys who highlight this list unrestricted free agency-wise are Yusuf Nurkic. I think he's pretty unrealistic. The Portland Trailblazers still want to remain competitive. They have his bird rights, etc., etc. Even if they let him walk, another team will likely outbid for Yusuf Nurkic, but there's Yusuf Nurkic. Along the same lines, there's also the New York Knicks' Mitchell Robinson. For a lot of the same reasons that I just gave to Yusuf Nurkic, I think the New York Knicks will likely re-sign Mitchell Robinson with bird rights, or another team will surely outbid the Lakers for Mitchell Robinson. At best, I feel like these two may command the non-taxpayer Emily, so $10 million. So unless the Lakers open that up, I don't think they're in the Lakers' realm of possibilities. Yes. And I think that's on the lower end spectrum of what they'll command this offseason. So at the very least, they'll command the non-taxpayer Emily. So if the Lakers can open that up, then maybe they're possibilities. But, but yeah, so there are Yusuf Nurkic and Mitchell Robinson at the top in terms of unlikely but technically possible candidates. Then we've got former Laker Thomas Bryant, 24 years old, 7 foot 6 wingspan. He has come back from ACL surgery, a major injury, so, you know, a lot of questions there. Maybe he could be had for the vet minimum. Then we've got 32-year-old Serge Ibaka. Maybe he could be had for the veteran minimum. We'll see. Um, another guy who sort of straddles both lines between maybe being a mini MLE guy, maybe being a BAE guy, or a veteran minimum guy would be Isaiah Hardenstein. So I'll just add him to this list as well for now. And then ex-Laker JaVale McGee, 34 years old. So those are the guys who sort of highlight the unrestricted free agency traditional bigs crop in the mini MLE range, or guys who I think may command the mini MLE. Um, some other caveats are in restricted free agency, there are guys like Mo Bamba, Nick Claxton, and Marvin Bagley, 24 years old, 23 years old, 23 years old, respectively. And all three of these guys could become unrestricted free agents if their teams rescind their qualifying offers from them. We, of course, found out that the Orlando Magic have won the NBA lottery. They're going to be picking number one. So depending on whether or not they pick Chet at number one, that likely means that their time with Mo Bamba is over because they already have to figure out how to integrate Chet with a guy like Wendell Carter. So it's seeming more and more likely that they will rescind their qualifying offer for Mo Bamba, making him an unrestricted free agent. So keep that in mind and add all three of these guys to this list as well. And then the Clippers have a club option on Ivica Zubats this upcoming year. He's 25 years old. He's going to have a $7.5 million club option that if they don't take for luxury tax reasons or whatever, 
could make Zubats an unrestricted free agent, and maybe we have a little Lakers reunion. We don't know. Um, but you can add him to the list as well. So out of this center's crop, how would you rank things? And we can take Mitchell Robinson and Yusuf Nurkic out of here because I yeah. think those would be our top guys if given the opportunity. But outside of those two, yeah, how would you rank these dudes? So outside of that, um, I just feel like the problem, I've always liked Zubats. Obviously, he was former Laker. Um, and, and I think he sort of is a summary of like the problem with a lot of these guys. And to your point, why we probably wouldn't spend our one big expenditure on any of these guys. Um, it's just that the reality is they become so sort of unplayable in the playoffs. I guess like, I don't know too much about how Mo Bamba has like progressed so far, but I know when he came in, he had a lot of upside. So I'm still sort of intrigued by him and seeing where he could go. Um, and then honorable mention to uh, Thomas Bryant, former Laker, who just bought a $5 million house in the Valley, oh. as I learned on Selling Sunset. Oh, um, wow. Chriselle nice. <laughs> was his agent. Um, <laughs> and he bought a house in Woodland Hills, so he has a home here already. Oh, there you go. All right. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I put my list as Mo Bamba, if the Magic rescind his qualifying offer. I'd obviously be interested in Nick Claxton if the Nets rescind his qualifying offer. I don't know if they'll do that. Although he did have the worst free throw percentage in NBA history, I think. Didn't he go True. like one for 11 in the playoffs? <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, I'd have my list as Mo Bamba number one. Although we'll probably be outbid by another team because Mo Bamba, I think he's going to command at least the full MLE. Uh, he has enough potential. He's young enough. He showed enough flashes last year in more minutes to... I think give teams license to pay up for him. So I don't think he's going to be like a Malik Monk case where you can get him for like the veteran minimum or the mini MLE. So unless the Lakers open up the non-taxpayer MLE, I don't think they have a shot at Mobamba. And even if they had the non-taxpayer MLE, I think some other team may even outbid them. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, I'll still put Mobamba number one. And then looking at things more realistically, I'd have Isaiah Hardenstein number two. Now, there is a scenario where Isaiah Hardenstein might take the veteran minimum, but I do think he showed enough with the Clippers uh, to maybe be a BAE or even a mini MLE candidate. So in that scenario, if forced to pick, yeah, I would put Isaiah Hardenstein number two. And then number three, that's where I'd look at former Laker Thomas Bryant and maybe even consider JaVale McGee. That's not the sexiest name, but JaVale yeah. McGee has really proven himself to be the consummate, solid role player off the bench in limited minutes, still getting the blocks, still being that elite lob threat, and still harassing people with his elite length. So, number one, Mo Bamba, if it's possible. Isaiah Hardenstein, number two. Number three, Thomas Bryant and JaVale McGee. If Ivica Zubats is let out of his club option, then I'd probably put Isaiah Hardenstein, number one, Zubats, number two. Number three, Thomas Bryant slash JaVale McGee. But yeah, other than that, I'd probably reserve our list for the bigs for the veteran minimum market and go bargain bin shopping instead if we're looking for bigs. So with that said, that'll do it for our very early look at free agency from every position. Actually, I totally forgot. Um, taking position totally out of the uh, equation, Tommy, who would your top three overall be out of this entire list that we've gone through? Who would you put at the top? Put at the top, I would probably put, I would probably put Robert Covington, actually. 
Um, yeah. I think, you know, w- big wing length has just always been a need. And the fact that he can shoot threes, it's just icing. And, you know, I made the big point about, like, on, you know, when we were discussing earlier about how we need more guys who could just play both sides. And I feel like Robert Covington can do that um, more so than most guys on this li- on these lists that we've discussed. So past Tommy obviously doesn't know that Robert Covington has re-signed with the Clippers, but present Jonathan does. So hopping in here now, I'm going to give my updated top three. So instead of having Robert Covington at number one, where he was previously, I'm now going to put Otto Porter Jr. number one on my list. And then following him, it's a tie between Jalen Smith and Chris Boucher, just because of their upside and youth and athleticism, ability to space the floor, yada yada. And then number three, I'd have Derek Jones Jr., So Tommy, after Robert Covington, who again, no longer applies, who would be in your number two and three slots on your list? Um, I'd probably have Derek Jones Jr. in there as well. And I also, you know, I don't know, maybe this is not the right way to spend the money, especially if we're keeping none, but I've just always been sort of intrigued by Tyus Jones and, and, Mm, or DeLon Wright, especially because of Wright's size. But the fact that Tyus Jones is like a playmaker is... Is sort of interesting to me if we end up losing none. Yeah, or Westbrook. So that makes yeah. sense. Well, not or Westbrook when we lose Westbrook. Right. Um, hopefully. All right. With that said, we will close this episode out. Stay tuned for our next episode where we talk about the veteran minimum market, uh, the bargain bin market. So with that said, Tommy, I will let you go. Peace. Laters. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 